Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. All right, big question, red or green? Ooh, it depends on the dish for me. Green chili enchiladas, red with, you know, like pork, carne elevada. Some dishes warrant Christmas. Chris, what do you think? I'm partial to green, but I've certainly enjoyed red over the years. Uh, It's grown on me and red is very popular amongst uh, my family here in New Mexico. So a little bit of both, kind of like what you're saying. All right, we're in agreement on something. We are, we are definitely in agreement on something, but make that just the one thing. Okay, Uh, (laughs) fair enough. I honestly didn't really know where to even start with this conversation because I was going to say, as I was writing things out for this episode, uh, you know it as the state vegetable, but in reality, it is so much more than a vegetable to New Mexico. I'm of course talking about New Mexico chilies, mostly grown on a commercial scale and hatch. Chili is core to the state's question, red or green. It's also served at virtually every restaurant you could think of in New Mexico. It's a topping in McDonald's rotation. It's on license plates, t-shirts. The smell of roasted chili washes through everything in New Mexico cities and towns this time of year. The reality is on a figurative level, chili is everything to New Mexico. Chili is part of the essence and the fabric of New Mexico. It's a massive part of our state's culture and identity. At the same time, you might think chili production couldn't be more pronounced. After all, the marketing and distribution of chili seems to be everywhere these days. But that is only partially true. It turns out New Mexico is actually harvesting less chili now than it has in decades. So it begs the question, is the state's premier crop in trouble? Is chili a dying industry in New Mexico? KRQE News 13 recently took to the chili fields with those questions, posing them to the state's chili farmers and those associated with the industry. Today, we're talking about what they're saying. And breaking it all down, a venerable guest of the podcast and an author of that article, Is Chile a Dying Industry in New Mexico? Curtis Segarra joins us back on the New Mexico News Podcast this week. Curtis, thanks again for being here. Thank you for having me. And uh, I have to weigh in and break the tie here. It's green all the way. Red is okay. It's good. It's good (laughs) on certain dishes, like you said, but green goes on everything. Okay. Well, I guess you, you probably have a lot of people who will agree with you. So from the top, Curtis, I remember talking with you before you visited these farms and there's no question we've heard from farmers and those in the ag industry this year that drought, wildfire, flooding, supply chain issues have all put them in a difficult position. But why did you pursue this story? What were you hoping to get out of it? Farming, just as you mentioned, is one of those industries that always is going to have its ups and downs. You know, my family uh, has ties to farming. I've seen that in my own life. And I was going through some farming reports from the uh, national statistics, and I noticed that back in 2021, New Mexico had a really low year of chili production. That's red and green. They produced only about 51,000 tons, which is a multi-year low. And I was kind of curious what was behind that. And like you said, we heard about um, some of the challenges that farmers had been facing. We heard whispers that, uh, you know, there were labor issues and I'm sure we'll get into that more, but I really wondered, you know, okay, we know the production was down. 
where are things headed? Uh, what does the future look like for this this vegetable, as you mentioned, Chris, that's so important, that's so much more than a vegetable for our state. So I just wanted to dive into that. Well, your chili should be roasted here. It's got a blister all the way around it. You should be able just to peel the skin off. So reading your article, and we'll post a link to it in the uh, show notes for this episode and also online on krqe.com slash podcast. In the article, I, I found it striking the data that you pulled. You mentioned some of this from the USDA. It indicated that 2021 was New Mexico's smallest recorded chili harvest in more than a decade. In 2021, 8,500 acres harvested across the state. That is a 75% decrease from the all-time high back in the 1990s. So we mentioned a little bit of this, I think, in Gabby's last question. Is, is there really, though one thing that we can blame is the reason for that decrease or are there a myriad of factors? Well, the numbers are interesting, Chris, because uh, you were talking about the harvested acres there. So that's really just kind of the amount of land that chili has grown on and then harvested off of. Um, it, like you said, it's decreased dramatically since the high point in the 1990s. It, before that, it was rising since the 70s. You know, Chile has had a long, strong growth here in New Mexico, um, but a big decline since the 90s in terms of harvested acres. That number, though, is a little tricky because our total production hasn't decreased as much. Hmm. Um, like I said, the production was down back in 2021. Um, there are some issues behind that, but the number of acres has gone down a lot. So a lot less planted land out there, farmland growing chili, but farmers have gotten better at cramming more chili onto each acre. So that accounts for some of that decline, but there is more than that. Um, a big thing we've seen in the last few years, and it's not just chili, it's all sorts of industries, is labor. Uh, we have a few stories on carequeed.com um, talking about that exact issue. And you know, listeners at home have probably heard that as well within their own industry. Just finding labor, especially during the pandemic, was particularly challenging. That was true for chili as well. And that's a really key issue because chili, green chili, especially here in New Mexico, has to be harvested by hand. Uh, it's too delicate, too complicated to harvest by a lot of machinery, unlike, you know, alfalfa or another agricultural product. They are working on developing machines that can kind of replace the human pickers, but it's a very labor intensive crop. So I know you talked to a few chili farmers. Glenn Duggins is one of those people. He has a chili field in Lemitar, north of Socorro. It's it's a dying uh, breed. Farming is dying anyway, and chili is uh, leading the pack. <laughs> he had a lot to say about one of the biggest problems, which is the labor shortage. It sounds like he really sees a lot of this as a cultural difference today in terms of what it is to work. The status of having a job as a chili farmer or picker has changed. We ourselves are to blame some too, because uh, I never was told, mijito, don't work too much. Uh, my dad, if I had three jobs, it would have pleased him. And now grandma's washing their clothes. They're sitting on the couch. They let their kids sleep till 10, 12 o'clock. How big or concerning is this for him? You know, for Glenn, it's a really big issue, not just for his farm, but because he's the president of the New Mexico uh, Chili Association. So he's kind of the spokesperson, really the, the 
front voice of a lot of growers across the state. And he really speaks out for kind of the small and medium sized growers. So these are uh, people who have relatively small farms. They're not gonna be exporting outside of New Mexico a whole lot, but they're gonna be producing a lot of chili here. You know, they are really struggling to find workers over the last few years and this year as well. Um, the cost to pay those workers that they can find has gone up. And it is a cultural problem in Glenn's mind. Uh, it's, it's just changed. We're spoiled. They come out here in this sun. Some of them last year, I bet I hired, I don't know, at least 50 from uh, the States. And some of them, when we drove out to the field, they turned around, they never even got out of their car and left. He talked about, you know, back in the day, growing up on the farm, the attitude that was put towards farming was very different than what he sees now with workers, uh, especially uh, workers growing up locally. There's, there's a desire, he seems to say, um, to move away from farming, to find jobs somewhere air-conditioned. I mean, it's tough being out in the field. He talked about occasionally finding rattlesnakes among the chili. It's, it's dangerous, it's tough, it's sweaty, it's a lot of work crammed into the chili season, which is kind of happening right now. Um, so it, it makes sense that a lot of younger workers who might normally be out there in the fields are hoping to find better jobs by going to college, by going to Albuquerque and finding an office job. You know, that's the way he kind of sees this issue. Um, certainly there are still still people willing to do the work. We still see chili in our markets, but uh, he sees it changing. Travis Day, an executive director of the New Mexico Chili Association. But I think overall, you know, looking at the bigger picture, we're seeing a generational shift in the workforce. We're seeing more millennials come into the workforce and they just, they don't want to work in these, you know, labor intensive jobs. You know, they want more technology driven jobs. So we have to rely on, you know, those older, you know, workers. And that. So with that in mind, that labor is difficult to say the least, um, there has been discussion, of course, that we've heard over recent times about incentivizing labor out in those fields and something that the state has tried to step in and help with as of last season. You mentioned in your story a bit more about how the state helped fill the gap with pay on chili workers. Can you tell me a little bit more about that state program and has that cash infusion maybe from the state helped solve the labor problem? That program you're talking about is called the Chili Labor Incentive Program. State leaders say help is on the way for New Mexico chili farmers who have been pleading for a solution to a widespread worker shortage. It really kind of got its start back in 2020 when the state government, the state legislature saw that Chile was struggling to find labor and they knew how important Chile was to New Mexico, to its culture, to its economy. You know, it's an export crop. It's something ingrained here. So they wanted to make sure the industry had that financial support. So basically what it is, is some extra funding from the state government to help pay workers on top of their normal paychecks. It was up to about $4.50 on top of their normal hourly wages. Uh, so the hope was here that that extra money would be an incentive to attract more workers, make sure people could get out into the fields, pick the chili, keep the industry going. So it's been going on for a few years now. Um, some folks I talked to say it has helped. Uh, they say it was a nice bonus on top of that normal pay. 
other people, other farmers said it wasn't quite enough or it wasn't as strong as they hoped it would be in terms of providing that support. Um, you know, it's still hard to find labor. This was great for paying laborers that they could find, but it might not have attracted new labor to some of those fields. It wasn't the, uh, the big draw, the thing that pulls more people into the industry as like a, a signing bonus almost is intended sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, for $4 and 50 cents on top of say $13 an hour, it's significant. It's a good increase, but you know, it's not a $10,000 signing bonus. Like you said. In your article, there's also some talk about workers from Mexico potentially being the answer. We know there's a visa program that will allow for migrant seasonal work. Why doesn't that program work for farmers here? It works for some farmers, particularly the large farmers. I spoke with uh, some of those large farmers down by Hatch. They do bring workers up from Mexico or from other states even sometimes. Uh, The program you're talking about is called the H-2A visa. And it's difficult for small farmers because it requires you to pay for or provide a kitchen so that those workers can make meals. You have to house those workers. You have to fill out a lot of paperwork because they are moving across national borders. It's this federal kind of program, and it really involves a lot of work, a lot of upfront cost. So for smaller farmers, um, people that have normally relied on local labor, right, people in the same town, it's a lot easier. Uh, This program, H-2A visa program, is a big challenge for some of these smaller and medium-sized farms to to get labor through this program. Um, It does work for some of the larger farms though, and we certainly have a good number of H-2A workers here. When I visited Hatch, you know, you could see buses of migrant workers from Mexico um, being brought into the fields. They would line up, they would be sent out and kind of go en masse through the field picking chili. So it certainly works for those larger farms that are gonna do a million pounds of chili a year. But for someone like Glenn Duggins, you know, the cost just doesn't work out. Mm. Sounds like there's a lot of red tape maybe that the smaller farmers don't have time for. There's a lot of red tape and it takes experience to navigate that red tape, that bureaucracy. And, you know, if you don't have that experience, you have to find someone who does, to fill out the paperwork. It can be a big challenge. These look really good. Size is good. We're just about two weeks off from harvesting this field. One of the solutions that's kind of been mentioned out there, uh, you mentioned technology as something that is being turned to in terms of harvesting out in the chili fields. And, And I wanted to see if you could give me a little bit more information about the technological aspects of it, because we have seen mechanization happening in many farms across the United States. Um, There's always seemingly robots involved now in vegetable and fruit gathering, um, nuts. You know, we've seen those giant machines that shake trees. Those have been around for a long time now, but they're still really neat to look at. What's the status of chili related harvesting technology? I mean, I think there's always a hope that technology will save us. That's true in every industry. Um, And then you get pushback saying, well, we don't want to replace jobs with uh, technology. And all of that debate is happening in the chili industry as well. Certainly NMSU uh, is doing a lot of work to increase yield, to do mechanization, to kind of figure out the technological solutions for the chili industry here. Uh, Travis Day spoke with me. He is part of the New Mexico Chili Growers Association 
you know, he was pretty positive uh, about the technological developments that have been made in the chili industry. He was talking about um, chili pickers that would help replace some of the workers that aren't there. Mechanical harvest is one that's been talked about for years now. And I, we're about a year and a half out from that being a realization. You know, there's machines being developed as we talk right now that are being tested out in the fields and they're having very successful test runs. And so we see that as, you know, the true solution long-term to this labor issue. You know, we're not gonna see a huge influx of laborers come in. That's just not gonna happen. So as an industry, we have to adapt or we die. And so mechanized harvest is a way of us adapting to address those labor shortages. And, and I think that's a reality in the next year and a half. He was talking about they're getting close to getting that in the fields fairly soon, but it's gonna be expensive. There are still some problems. Um, like with any piece of technology. On the other hand, there's also the kind of historical cultural issue with technology, especially at an, in an industry like Chile, which is so rooted in the history and culture of New Mexico. You know, if it's not handpicked, is it the same Chile? I think Glenn Duggins was kind of getting at that point um, when I was talking with him, he was kind of pushing back and saying, well, maybe, maybe the technology is there, but uh, it, it's not quite going to replace the human picker in the same way. I think that's a reality in red chili and maybe chili that's going to go to a uh, processor. My chili that's going to go to the roaster on the corner of the street. I don't see how a mechanical anything's going to pick that that hand-picked uh, chili. It's not already on the plant. We also know New Mexico's had a lot of natural disasters. We've had massive wildfires stack on, you know, drought over the course of years. Then we've had flooding. How is the weather or water a concern for the current chili grower? Always water is a concern here in New Mexico. Um, that's true in every uh, every person's life and especially every agricultural venture. You know, the chili growers I spoke with weren't too concerned about the current state of um, water or drought or rainfall right now. It's certainly something that kind of comes and goes. Um, a lot of them I talked to said chili was a pretty hardy crop. I mean, it's a desert crop more or less and uh, doesn't want too much water. In fact, Glenn was worried that his chili might get too much water if there was a monsoon rain. So water is certainly on their mind. It doesn't seem like a huge issue with these latest numbers. Um, but it's something that is always in the back of their mind. And certainly there's always going to be kind of legal fights, political fights behind the scenes about who gets water, who gets to water when, who gets the water to their crops before someone else gets the water to their crops. Those sorts of debates are, are always ongoing and will be a challenge moving forward in the future as we do see things like increased drought, increased um, rainfall in some places, not in others. Aside from the labor issues, what else is making the economics of chili growing difficult? One thing that has been a big concern in the industry recently in terms of the economics is really the branding of New Mexico chili. I'm sure everyone has seen, you know, the little label that says New Mexico chili, New Mexico grown chili. People recognize the hatch name. The state wants to make sure that everyone knows the red or green that they're getting is New Mexico certified. News 13's Brianna Salazar reports on a new plan to weed out imposters. Um, there's actually been 
legislation here in New Mexico to kind of protect that brand and ensure that chili grown outside of New Mexico isn't labeled as New Mexico chili, for example. That's something that's really important to the work that um, Glenn Duggins does with the New Mexico Chili Growers Association. They really want to make sure that people recognize what's a local product and what's not. The New Mexico Chili Association says it watched the New Mexico chili sales drop recently and realized it was likely because of imitators claiming their products were grown here when they really weren't. We're promoting the flavor because like I say, anybody can have chili, but it doesn't have the flavor. Along with that, there's more and more concern about chili coming up from Mexico. A lot of people I talked to said that it's cheaper to grow down there, particularly because of that labor, right? Labor is so much cheaper down there. Um, they don't have the exact same standards that we have in terms of pay. So they're able to grow chili and they say it's pretty good chili. The quality is pretty good. Uh, if they grow that and bring it up here, it can flood the market with something a lot cheaper, but comparable in quality to what we have. That's a real concern, especially for the smaller growers here. So that's something that's on their mind and they're watching closely. It looks like it's not happening quite yet. Um, we certainly do get chili from Mexico here at some restaurants and some places. Certainly chili uh, in California is often grown and taken from Mexico. Um, but New Mexico chili has managed to carve out a market for itself and is hoping to protect that market now. It's a big issue. So, of course, chili producers are an important part of the industry, right? We need people to grow it, but, you know, there's other players tied in. Restaurants are very much one of them and arguably one of the most important in helping bring it to the forefront, bringing it to people's plates all over. You talked to some folks with Garcia's, of course, a mainstay restaurant in the Albuquerque area. Are restaurants at all experiencing problems tied to chili production at this point? I think everyone knows that to here in New Mexico, restaurants have been experiencing problems. Uh, we've seen, again, the labor issues. We've seen COVID-19 related closure issues. Um, so certainly the restaurants are having their own struggles, but there are some tied to chili. Uh, when I spoke with Garcia's, you know, they were talking about how just the lack of labor meant a lack of chili meant that they were really leaning on their suppliers and their connections, their longstanding connections with chili suppliers to ensure that their supply of chili came through. Um, they were worried that if they lost their one supplier, they might not have chili or they might have to try to find a new supplier who wouldn't have the same quality, um, who might be, you know, using chili from Mexico even, you know, these are real possibilities that some of these restaurants are concerned about because they know they need to provide green chili. Um, and they, they know that chili had a rough few seasons here and they were worried that they might run short in some cases. Have you heard from any where they did run out? You know, I didn't hear from any restaurateurs that uh, said they ran out of chili. Um, certainly to some extent, they were kind of watching their product closely and, and, ordering more and watching the numbers to ensure that they didn't. It's really scary because sometimes we don't know what's happening. So um, you can always kind of depend on red chili, but, but not the green chili. As a matter of fact, our farmer, he said that uh, he wouldn't be doing green chili if it wasn't for us. 
um, he said that he would just let the, the green turn into red. And I thought, wow, why, why would you do that? And he, he said, why, why do you just do it for us? And uh, he said, because you would probably go to somebody else, you know, which we would have to to get our green chili. I believe Dan Garcia from Garcia's, he did talk about some restaurants here kind of needing to switch suppliers, needing to rely on larger suppliers uh, to provide that chili that they might otherwise uh, not have. So, you know, the restaurants know people want chili. They're going to do everything they can to bring that chili to you, but they don't want to raise prices in most cases. I mean, Dan talked about that. He wants to make sure food is a New Mexican food is affordable for everyone. But it, when chili is short, it's a key ingredient. And sometimes they have to raise the prices. The broader look along the lines of if the industry is going away, if this is a dying industry, you know, I, I listened a little bit to your interview with Glenn Duggins and Travis Day. Travis Day, of course, the executive director of the New Mexico Chili Association and Glenn Duggins running that farm. Um, I couldn't help but get a sense that the industry isn't perhaps dying, but it's more or less in sort of a massive shift for a lot of reasons that, that we've talked about. You know, we've heard stories about this happening in other farm associated industries for years, right? Mega corporations buying out giant farms and more or less industrializing the supply. With that in mind, did you get a sense that there's maybe a drive to perhaps have larger farms or production plants compared to, say, the smaller farms that we often think about with chili production? There certainly is that drive, and it's already been happening for years here. Uh, down in southern New Mexico, one of the largest processing plants of uh, green chili into you know products like salsas and those sorts of things um, was not too long ago purchased by kind of this international company. I mean, it's not a, you could call it a family company, but it's it's part of this international big conglomerate. So we're certainly seeing that even in the chili industry here. That being said, I also spoke with some folks um, on pretty small operations, right? They might have one field with a couple dozen acres and they pick their chili each season and bring it to their local market, but they don't sell it to supermarkets. They don't sell it to uh, big chain restaurants. These types of people say they're not going anywhere. They're going to keep picking their chili. They're going to bring it to their local market. It'll be fresh. It'll be hand-picked New Mexico chili for as long as their family is around. It's, they're on their you know third, fourth, fifth generation of family-grown chili, and they're not changing anytime soon. You know The labor issues aren't as big for them because they are having such small operations. And that type of chili, that kind of artisanal, um, local, organic, those sorts of chilies aren't going away anytime soon. There is a shift to kind of make the economics of it all work out. And for um, a lot of businesses, that means maybe growing their operation a little bit and relying on um, the H-2A programs. Uh, but at the same time, the medium, the smaller growers, they don't really want to change the way they've been doing things for decades. They are going to stick to it until the end. That's something that Glenn Duggins really um, talked about when I visited his farm out there that come hell or high water, he's going to keep growing his chili the way he's done it forever. We'll make it. I guarantee you we've crossed hurdles every year. It's, uh, it's how we're made. We don't quit. We don't give up. 
he doesn't want to change the way he's done things. And I think there's a lot of farmers out there. That's a common attitude. Um, but certainly we are seeing some other farms shift their practices, maybe make some cutbacks in terms of the economics to make sure things stay kind of economically viable. You know, I did hear from Axton Franzoy. He was the farm manager at Chili River Inc., which is uh, another chili grower here in New Mexico. They talked about how if the economics get bad enough, they might have to pull back some of their chili crop and switch it over to something like alfalfa, something that's a little easier to grow, easier to harvest, and might have better economics. So, you know, some farms are certainly considering those options. Other ones like Duggan's say they're going to stick it out till the end. New Mexico and the people living here, I'm sure all of us in the room and maybe some listeners can agree, there's seemingly a close-knit feeling of tradition and culture built into the grit and perseverance of folks from here. When it's all said and done, what's the outlook on the chili industry's ultimate survival, Curtis? New Mexico chili is not going anywhere anytime soon, that's for sure. Um, Like I said, they a lot of the farmers say they're going to stick it out till the bitter end, um, and they they know how important chili is to New Mexico. Chili is really important to them. They're going to do whatever they can to make sure it ends up on your table. Um, some farms might have to adjust their practices. Some farms certainly won't make it uh, in the long run. That's just the economics of farming. Um, but one thing that really stood out to me as I did all this reporting and talked to all these farmers was just how ingrained chili growing was among their own families. A lot of the people I talked to were on their third, fourth, fifth. I think I even talked to someone who is seventh generation chili growers here in New Mexico. And when you've done chili for generations, it kind of becomes part of the family, right? That's certainly something I saw among the growers. And even that's true even in some of the larger farms. So I spoke with a couple family members at Grajeda Farms down in Hatch. They do, you know, a million, maybe two million pounds of chili a year. They export a lot of it to Colorado or California. So they're a fairly large operation. Um, But they were talking about how it was a family operation. They're going to stick with it even when it gets tough because it's part of their family. Curtis, thank you for sharing with us all of your knowledge that you've gained from these farmers, because I know there's lots of different pockets of New Mexico that we don't always get to hear from. So appreciate your reporting. Curtis, where can people contact you? You can reach me on uh, email at curtis.sagara at krqe.com. That's a tricky name to spell, but uh, if you see one of my articles online, I'll have my name attached. You can find it there. If you have a story idea, uh, you can always email on us directly. I'm at chris.mckee on karaqe.com. Uh, and then also on social media at Chris McKee TV. We are uh, almost nearly at the one year mark for this podcast. So we appreciate everybody who has uh, joined on so far and uh, many more episodes ahead. Also a quick shout out to Mick Cass 6 who wrote us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts. She says, I like listening to Chris and Gabrielle. They're super thorough, really enjoy the deep dives and objective reporting. So we appreciate you all listening. Feel free to write us a review or drop us a message. I'm at gabrielle.burkhardt at krqe.com via email, gburknm on social media. Thank you all for listening.